This is Spin Control, a Fibercraft podcast by a joyful girl. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Spin Control, episode 138, Missing. In this episode, I've got some knitting and spinning. I am all spun up about what's gone missing. I'm going to put my spin on the book Spinning 101 by Tom Nicely, and that's just about it. So I guess we should kick this off with some updates. Not a whole ton going on around here. It's been a pretty nice transition over the last couple weeks. So the boy went back to work. He's on light duty and I don't know if he's enjoying it or not because he's a, it's a little boring compared to what he normally does as an operating room nurse. But he's surviving and saving, you know, leave for, for better things, I guess. But he is, I think it helps his uh, mental stability for him to be able to leave the house and go do stuff, even if it's not like, you know, the most exciting stuff in the world. So we're getting back to normal here in the house and it's been kind of nice. And we had some and have plans for some good quality visit time with the girls. So last time I told you we helped Bird move into an apartment in Denver. And last weekend we decided to do like a pop and visit, help her with anything she needed help with in the place while she's finishing getting um, moved in. You know, and there were some simple things. She needed help setting up her surround sound speakers and opening a pickle jar apparently it was really funny uh her dad was like well do you need anything else and she's like yes before you leave could you please open this pickle jar for me it was hilarious he couldn't get it open but i was able to get it open (laughs) it was nice it was funny but one thing we did i want to tell you about is we went to a place called the bacon social for brunch it was a sunday and Everything, I swear, everything they've got on their menu is centered around bacon. They offer like as an appetizer a bacon flight so you can try all their different bacons. <laughs> She's like, hey, could we could we go to the bacon social for lunch? She said, they have the world's best BLT. And we were happy to go with her. It was fun. I had just like a classic breakfast, just uh, my eggs Benedict. And it was delicious. They have really good cocktails. The boy had some like farmhouse breakfast thing. It was huge. But yeah, we had a lot of fun. It was a really good visit. And this coming week, Itty Bitty will be home for spring break. She's halfway through her semester and she's doing really well. And it'll be nice to see her and hang out with her for a while. And yeah, things are returning to normal here in the homestead. And it's been kind of nice. And that's just about all I got going on in updates. So I guess it's time to get this podcast started. In this episode, I am all spun up about what has gone missing. So the most random things that I used to know where they were are missing. And I don't know why or how. I literally have a checklist in my phone of the things that are missing. And thankfully, I've actually been able to check a few items off that list. But there are still some languishing items I have no idea where they are. One. So crafting-wise... I've got two items right this second that are missing. Uh, A pair of size seven circular needles. They are 16 inches and I love them for hats. No clue where they are. I know where they used to be, but I don't know where they are now. And it's very, very frustrating. And I 
have misplaced my field guide to fleece. Again. I say again because I actually misplaced the first one, like lost beyond all recognition, and I had to replace it. And now I can't find the second copy of the field guide to fleece that I purchased. And with all these events and super things like that coming up here, like event season rolling up, I would like to be able to take that with me to some of those things. But no, I have no clue where my field guide to fleece is. And all of this, of course, kind of sparks out of the craft room cleaning, you know? So I'm digging through everything. And, you know, so that's how I'm determining these things are missing. Because as I clean the craft room, I'm not finding them. And so they go on the list until I find them or apparently have to replace them, which is not something I really want to do. But yeah, so that's what's got me all spun up. I mean, there's some other random things on the list. Like we have this queen size quilt. It is just a, a, it's a monochrome quilt. It's like a dark orange on one side, light orange on the backing. And it's got all orange stitching on the whole thing. And I have no idea where it went. I only keep linens in two spots in the house and it's nowhere to be found. I don't think anyone took it out of the house. The girls um, definitely have taste that does not take them to orange quilts. So I know they don't have it. They, I don't think they ever had it. And like, we don't need it on a daily basis or anything, but it fits perfectly. Like we have, um, if we have a lot of guests, we have air mattresses and it fits perfectly. And I've got, you know, the bedding that goes along with it. It's all coordinated. I have no clue where that comforter is. Got all the sheet sets that are coordinated with it, but I have absolutely zero idea what happened to that quilt. It's just the dumbest stuff. Oh, I did find my paper scissors, which makes me very happy. I just found those this morning, but there's still so many items missing and I don't know if I'm going to be able to find them. And now it's on to spinning my wheels. I've been pretty busy and I'm very happy and pleased with myself. I'm making progress on stuff and I'm kind of proud of myself for a few things. First, I did finish the Brickyard Swancho. It is downstairs blocking and I'm, so last episode I talked about doing like having five inch cuffs or so to knit. I tried the sweater on after I finished the body. I tried it on and I'm like, Oh, that's, that's way more than five inches. I'm going to need like 10 inches of ribbing, these ribbing cuffs, which was the remainder of the sleeve and the cuff because it's a swancho. And when I set out to block it and like the full garment was like totally laid out. Now I think that the sleeves are going to be way too long because the body like really, really bloomed like the stitch pattern and everything once it was dropped in water and then laid out and smoothed out on my blocking boards. The body is way bigger than I thought it was going to be. It's way bigger than it was when I tried it on unblocked. So we'll have to see how that goes. But thankfully, those sleeves were bound off at the end of the cuff, which means if they are too long, all I have to do is undo the bind off, rip it back to where I want it, and then bind off again, and it'll be fine. So that'll be an easy fix if that part of it is, you know, if they're too long. Because the one thing, because they're a ribbed, sleeve from where the swancho portion body ends to your wrist. Um, I don't want the swancho portion to bunch up because that sleeve is pushing it at my arm. And I'll have to show you pictures if, if, if I'm correct, (laughs) but I'm really, really happy that I can fix it very, very easily if I'm unhappy with it. So, I mean, there's, I think there's nothing worse than knitting those, you know, 
1500 yards or whatever it was and then having a garment you're unhappy with and being like well i'm never gonna wear this i can fix it easily with really like no sweat or turmoil so i will wear it the boy is super disappointed to me with my garment choices by the way he says i need to stop knitting square sweaters because i do not have a square body and he does not find it super attractive i'm like yeah but they're so comfortable so he'll probably just have to get over that yeah what okay so in additionally in knitting so you're gonna be very proud of me this is kind of like a crossover between knitting and spinning once i finish the swancho i'm like well i should cast on another sweater because i really have like some sweater mojo going on right now and it's making me very happy and then i decided that the dreaded fleece needed to fulfill its destiny and become a dreaded sweater it really isn't dreaded anymore because it's actually yarn and i can do something with it but the name is just going to carry on so the dreaded sweater i decided i wanted a cardigan i kind of wanted i don't know if this is a thing even like a librarian shaped cardigan you know what i mean simple cuffs at the wrist simple waistband open front some buttons standard length standard just a librarian cardigan like that's all that that's the only way i know how to describe it a librarian cardigan kind of simple but i think the color will lend itself to that style really really well and so i like stalked all sorts of patterns and finally decided on one and actually i'm pretty pleased because it was a pattern i already own so that's pretty cool so what i decided on was a sweater called oatmeal and it is a yoke cardigan knit flat and it's by Amy King and it was published in the spinoff, I think spring of 2009. And it is that whole librarian shaped cardigan, except it's got some interesting detailing at the cuffs and on the yoke. So that's pretty cool. I don't think I've ever knit a sweater that has like a legit button band or anything like that. So that'll be cool. And it's called oatmeal and the yarn of course is an oatmeal colored rambouillet three ply so i swatched like i did four swatches for this bad boy because that's another thing i would be crushed if i knit for this sweater and it didn't fit the way i want it to fit because that's a lot of work and a lot of hand spun yarn for me to not wear it and i think i would be disappointed if i like ruin the yarn in the process or whatever so the problem i had with this one so the the dreaded yarn by all calculations i thought it was a dk it's 11 wraps per inch and i tested that in multiple areas of the various skeins and so i thought okay dk this is a dk weight and this is before i even decided on the sweater because what i wanted to do was swatch the yarn decide on a fabric i liked and then find a pattern that had a similar gauge to what i found in my favorite swatch so i started with size 7 needles on a DK weight yarn and it was very dense like that fabric was dense so I'm like okay I'll go up to a size 8 that was a little bit better I actually did size 7 8 9 and 10 needles and decided that the fabric I liked the best was an 8 and surprisingly enough the stitch gauge was like a true worsted once I blocked those swatches so I thought I had a DK I ended up with worsted, but that's okay because I was able to find a pattern that I liked that kind of, you know, fit what I had in my head for this yarn, and I'm pretty pleased. But I swatched, I knit four swatches and blocked them and did gauge measurements and selected what I believe to be the perfect pattern for this. And 
I've heard people often complain about being stuck on sleeve island. So this actual pattern starts you by knitting the sleeves. So it's a bottom up yoke. So you start at the cuffs and knit up the sleeves, make two sleeves. So you start on sleeve island. So it like makes the rest of it a little less painful, I guess. I really don't have problems with knitting sleeves, but I just found that funny. There's a few things I would do differently if I had designed this sweater. Overall, I like the pattern. So for me, you know, my addiction to textures, like blending together and like having some sort of natural progression from one texture to another. The cuff is like two inches of one by one ribbing, but then it goes into a detail that doesn't match with the one by one ribbing very well at all. And the designer just kind of offsets the stitch pattern with one ridge of garter at the top and the bottom to frame it. But I would have done that totally differently, but I'm going to keep it the way she had it and go with it. But if I ever design a sweater, I will keep that in mind. Yeah. So I'm pretty pleased with myself. I done a lot of knitting, but it's all for the same purpose of turning the dreaded yarn into a dreaded sweater that I will love. And I will keep you posted on my progress. And I think that when I get that first sleeve done, I'm going to double check the gauge to make sure I'm still on track and I don't end up with like some gigantic horse sweater or something that I'm unhappy with. Because I would totally like knit another sleeve, you know, rip back and start again on the sleeve without too much heartbreak compared to finishing an entire garment and being completely, utterly disappointed with it. But that's the big fear because I put so much time into the dreaded fleece to get it to this point. All right. And in spinning, I haven't done a whole lot of spinning. I sampled some white face woodland and the white face woodland is an English breed that kind of falls into the other sheep breeds category. If you are looking at the fleece and fiber source book, um, staple length is three to eight inches. It's a 28 to 38 microns average. It's a little coarser of a fiber, definitely coarser than the Targi that I sampled last time. And it's coming along. I haven't, it's actually, so the samples that I spun up are drying right now. So I don't exactly know which method of drafting that I liked better. And it comes in natural color of white. That is white, kind of a little off creamy white. Not like a pure white, you'd have to bleach it for that, but it's a white fleece. And it was a pleasure to spin and it definitely spun up dramatically different than the Targi did. So that was kind of nice to get that high contrast between the two sample sets back to back. And I enjoyed that. And I am still sampling and deciding on what I'm going to do with the Gotland fleece. I'm trying to, you know, do the benefit of the doubt and try multiple drafting methods. Um... So I did end up making some Rolags, even though that was kind of a cluster because the fiber, the stable length is like so, so long. And I am actually sitting behind my little Luet S45, spinning that up right now. And then after that, I decided to, I know this is lame. I decided to hand comb another 10 grams and do a traditional worsted again, just to make sure I like what I end up with. Because I think I'm going to try adding additional ply twist and see how I like it. I really like the weight of the yarn that I did the first time. But like I said, when I did the chain ply, it wasn't happy at all. (laughs) But that may have been, one, the, the amount of twist I put into it. And it may have been just simply that plying method altogether. So I think what I'm going to do is do two five gram sections. Try one again as a chain ply with added twist and then do the second one is just a two ply 
to see how that works up. Like, hey, is this the three ply? The chain ply should give me the diameter of the finished yarn, but the two ply will let me know how the single behaves when it is plied in a more traditional method. So, so we'll see how that goes. And it looks like that's all I got going on in spinning my wheels. I'm going to put my spin on the book Spinning 101 by Tom Nicely. Okay, I did not purchase this book, but I located a copy of it on my e-reader from my local library. And I try to be a positive person, but I would like to say that I'm glad I didn't pay money for this book. I was actually quite disappointed with the contents and the author, and I will tell you why. Where to begin? Overall, I found his writing style to be a little bit judgy and stuck in his ways. Like if he was my spinning teacher, he would be one of those people that told you there's only one right way to do this. And two, I actually found areas in his book that made me believe that he learned something once 40 years ago and never bothered to check the accuracy of that information. Like there are things in this book that are just wrong. And I find it disappointing that an author doesn't actually take the time to maybe get the feedback from other spinners in the field. He seemed disconnected from the industry and common current knowledge. He says he's been spinning for more than 30 years. This book was published in 2021. So recently. So I found some of the things that he said to be a little concerning. For example, he says in the book that he finds it fascinating to see how trends come and go and how some people might look at these art yarns as imperfections and others embrace their rustic look. And I'm like, how trends come and go. That's weird because the book was published in 2021 and it's been like 15 years since J.C. Boggs like shocked everybody with her art yarn. And it was long before that, that people were making art yarn. This book was published in 2021. Art yarn is not a trend that has come and gone. (laughs) So I just found that really weird. I feel like there's been art yarn as long as this author has been spinning, but he just kind of really didn't expose himself to the industry and what other people were doing. And it kind of, I felt like it discredited him quite a bit. Additionally, what else? Like, here's another example. He has a picture of a top roll spindle, a bottom roll spindle, and a Turkish spindle when he describes spindles briefly. But the Turkish spindle, the arms on the Turkish spindle are on upside down. Yeah, I don't know. Again, totally missed it. I've probably typed this out someplace, maybe in the show notes. But when he describes the long draw, it's not a long draw. It's like he learned from someone who didn't know what long draw was 30 years ago, but never actually saw it done in person again. And he teaches people this method. Everyone 100% has different ways of doing things and all get you to the same point. But the method he describes, so long draw, of course, is like the traditional woolen method of drafting. Traditionally, it's done with rolags. You allow twist into your fiber source and then pull the fiber source away and allow that to stretch out and distribute itself along the fiber. This is a pinch and draft method that he describes here, and it's just really strange. But it's completely not what long draw is. Again, he published the book in 2021. By now, there's enough video material, access to other instructors, 
industry information that him as a responsible person he should have you know checked or had someone else from the industry edit this book and i don't believe that he did i do not recommend the book spinning 101 by tom nicely if you learned how to spin from this book i would recommend that you get another book because there's a vast amount of information that is better than what he presented here available to you as i said two complaints one it's full of inaccurate information and two he seems to make judgments on what other people are doing in the industry without having any direct knowledge about what they're doing in the industry i think you guys know me well enough and have known me long enough to know that i don't really give negative reviews but yes i do not recommend this book if you have a friend that learned to spin from this book buy them another book to supplement the inaccurate information in this publication. And that is my spin on Spinning 101. Well, it looks like it is time to spin off this episode of Spin Control. Thank you all for tuning in. And if there's anyone new here, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. Before I head out, I just wanted to say that there is a little bit of a status update on the craft room cleaning it's like clean. There's a few little details I need to take care of. One, stash enhancement season is upon us. So right now I've got three, four events for the year planned. As always, I'm definitely going to Maryland Sheep and Wool. I've already purchased my um, airline tickets and I am going 100%. I got the time off from work and I will be there the first weekend of May. But that also means that I will be bringing home some additional items that need to go in the stash. And what scares me about the craft room cleaning is the lat, like the very last thing I need to do is actually photograph and inventory all the stash that I acquired over say the last year and a half that never made it into my Ravelry stash or onto the shelves. Like it's bagged up. Like I have a giant Ikea bag full of yarn that I need to photograph and get into my stash storage before the event starts. Because each event is really the opportunity to add more stuff. And I totally know that I will. So right now I've got Maryland Sheep and Wool. I'm going to the Estes Park Wool Market. We're actually camping for the week preceding and the boy will be there with me. So that'll be pretty cool. And some of my knit girls will be there. It'll be awesome. So we're spending most of the week in the Rocky Mountain National Forest. And then the tail end of the trip will actually be the Wool Market. So that's pretty great. I'll make an appearance at the Salida Fiber Festival in Salada, Colorado. And there may be a couple other things throughout the year that make appearances and help me grow my stash. But I'm a little nervous because I need to get my current stash organized before I bring anything new into the house. And that's like the last big detail. And to like open every drawer and double check every project bag to see if I can find some of these missing items. And knowing me, like... That fleece and fiber source book is probably at the bottom of that Ikea bag underneath the yarn, which is why I can't buy a new one yet because I haven't actually put my hands on all that stuff. <laughs> oh, By next time, I should have some more updates on sweater construction and gauntlet fleecing and hopefully some other good stuff going on. As always, you can get the details about this episode and all the past episodes at pincontrollpodcast.com. You can email me at shiloh at foreverhandmade.com. Catch me on Ravelry and Instagram as Forever Handmade. 
Thanks again, guys. I'll talk to you soon. I'm 15 for a moment Caught in between 10 and 20 And I'm just dreaming Counting the ways to where you are I'm 22 for a moment And she feels better than ever And we're on fire Making our way back from Mars Fifteen, there's still time for you Time to buy and time to lose Fifteen, there's never a wish Better than this When you only got a hundred years to live Counting the